Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian James Mullinger and the co-founder of Edit Magazine. This is Mullinger Meets Canadians, the podcast where we meet Canadians who are making waves on the world stage. In this episode, I'll be speaking with a woman that I consider to be a true hero. Diani Blanco is a bona fide community legend who has triumphed over much adversity and become a hugely respected keynote speaker, activist, philanthropist, CEO and founder of Infino Group, host of an acclaimed podcast, while also being a single mother of two beautiful children. Born in the Dominican Republic, Diani moved to New Brunswick on the east coast of Canada at the age of 10. She spent much of her early years feeling out of place. From being bullied in school because of her skin colour and suffering physical abuse at home, Diani became suicidal in her early teens. At 15 years old, she was placed in the foster care system and it was during this time that she found herself in an abusive relationship. Diani was determined to change her life around after becoming a mother for the first time at 19 years old. Sure enough, at 23, Diani created Infino Group, a non-profit organisation dedicated to help teenagers who were going through dating abuse. She travelled to high schools across New Brunswick as an inspirational speaker and shared her story to educate teens and encourage them to speak up. After losing everything in a fire in August 2019 and having nowhere else to go with her two children, she felt defeated and became depressed. But like a true leader, she rose up and just a few months later co-founded the Queens of Heart organisation in the early days of the global pandemic to offer food and support to single parents to ensure that no family was left behind. So when I heard that Diani Blanco was now running to be a councillor on Moncton City Council in the New Brunswick elections this May, I knew we had to have her on this show. Even as her national and global recognition builds and her demand as a speaker grows, her focus is still on her chosen home city of Moncton. So I want to hear more about how she found light in such dark days and her passion for her community. So here we go. So, Diani, you are a keynote speaker, an activist, a philanthropist, an advocate against dating abuse, as well as the CEO and founder of Infino Group. You're a mother of two. You do so many things. How do you describe yourself when people ask you, what do you do? <laughs> mm. <laughs> like a hot mess, let's say. Um, uh, I feel like I, I do describe myself as a hot mess, but um, I feel like all the women totally understand and they can see themselves in what I'm feeling that way but I feel like it's just like um I see myself as somebody that wants to inspire others so that's pretty much who I am amazing I mean you do seem to juggle a lot of different things how do you find the time and can you describe to me what a typical day looks like for you Ooh. <laughs> well I'm a youth worker but I work mm -hmm. night shifts 
So from eight at night to eight in the morning. So a day will be driving from work to home, dropping my oldest at school, having my youngest Nico with me, getting ready for deliveries for Queens of Heart, trying to get at least a nap with my youngest hmm. in the middle of that chaos. <laughs> then, um, you know, I go back to work and it's like a, the same routine and you have like uh, Zoom calls, you have meetings and you have uh, uh, events that you were asked to be a speaker. So mm. it, it's a lot, but at the same time, I feel like it's who I am. I don't like just not doing anything. Right. Um, I like to push myself. I love to get out of my comfort zone. So that's totally me. Wow. I mean, you inspire so many people. And the first time that you and I met in person was last September at Punchlines Comedy Club, which pretty much felt like the only normal night out last year amidst all of the madness. But you are yes. one of the you are one of the only people I know who decided to spend your 2020 rather than complaining. You went out to help others. Can you tell me a bit about that and what drives you and also about the creation of Queens of Heart, which, of course, I mean, really came in to its own last year when you helped so many people yes well points of heart um started literally in my heart a long time ago mm -hmm. um in 2019 we lost everything in a fire mm -hmm. and uh, again like i was so lost i didn't know where to go who to ask for help as a single mother i didn't have many people so i remember just being at a hotel for a few days and having uh friends and co-workers and total stranger getting together and having like a GoFundMe and like Katie Duarte, she sold her painting and donated the money to me and my kids. It was like wow. all those people coming together and just literally helping a total stranger and her two kids. Mm -hmm. And I was so inspired. I was really crying the whole time. Mm -hmm. And for months I was very depressed, even though I got a new duplex people were like donating uh, furnitures but I was very depressed because I felt like I didn't do anything to deserve that mm. and uh, it was really a hard time because as a single mom I started from scratch and losing everything suddenly was like the worst thing for me even if I'm not a materialistic person it was really hard <laughs> of course uh, when the pandemic yeah and when the pandemic started I was like you know, it's like a way for me to give back to all those people who took the time, the money, um, the resources to help me and the boys. It's like a way of saying thank you to the community that got together and helped me and my boys to be where we are today. Wow. I mean, it really is so incredible how you are one of the only people I know that can turn such terrible experiences into positive things. I mean, is that something that you think that you've had to learn because of struggles that you've been through in life? And how is it that you're able to put on a, a brave face and turn negatives in life into positive and beautiful things? Mm, that's really interesting um, question. Um, well, growing up, I definitely felt disconnected um, mm. from people around. As a young age, like my mother, she was really cold with me. And I was seeing my siblings being loved and having all that attention. Mm. So I always felt like I wanted to help others. I wanted to make others laugh because I didn't want them to feel the same way that I was feeling. Right. So that was the thing that I was doing growing up. And every bad situation, I was trying to tell myself, it's okay, Diani, 
because somebody else is going through something way worse than you. So suck it up. <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> just move forward. Just realize at least you're lucky that you're here. So every day I was trying to tell that to myself so I could pretty much survive. Yeah. And and just again, I, w- I was a type of like a young kid, and even now I think it's still inside of me where I don't want anybody to feel the pain that I've been through. I want them to feel love. I want them to feel accepted. And um, I think that's why I'm like that <laughs> because of my, of course, my my journey, my experiences. Yeah, I mean, it it really is remarkable how you've managed to, as I say, you know, turn all of this into something where you help so many people. Um, am I right in thinking you were born in the Dominican Republic, but you moved yes. to Canada when you were ten years old? Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Wonderful. What do you remember of your time in the Dominican before coming here? <sighs> it was rough. Mm-hmm. But I remember the good memories more. I try to remember, I should say, the good memories of like being at the beach and running all over and playing and the smell and the, the food and everything, like the, the good stuff, the, having uh, the community together and and having like a huge barbecue and all the kids running around. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do remember the bad ones. And that one is like the... the the part that I try to forget, but I can't, it's still there where um, right. I was uh, physically abused a lot. When I was um, six years old, my mom pretty much separated my siblings and I. So I stayed with her since I was the youngest, since she was struggling as a single mother, working three mm-hmm. jobs. And um, she put me into a private school back home in Dominican Republic. And <laughs> honestly, it was the worst thing ever. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like, it, it was really hard because I was staying there. And every two weekends, I would go home to my mom. So I felt even more disconnected to my mother because I was just seeing her sometimes. And even if I was there in the, that weekend, I wasn't seeing her much. Right. So I never really had that motherly love or relationship with her growing up in the Dominican Republic at all. And it just continued when we came here. Right. I mean, I mean, that must have been obviously extremely tough to be removed from her, but also to not feel a, a connection. And then moving to a different country when you're 10 is going to be hard enough anyway without all of that going on. I mean, how were things when you got to New Brunswick and what were your first impressions of the place? And did moving to a new place improve your relationship with your mother at all? Well, coming to New Brunswick, it was a culture shock for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, remember, it was in May, um, May 1st. And uh, it was still cold. There was snow, but it was dirty snow. And um, <laughs> I still remember, like it was yesterday, I was like, is this what it was supposed to be? Like in the movies, it was like all nice and white. And it's disgusting. <laughs> so I remember the kid just being so confused. I'm like, okay, this is not what reality is, right? This is not right. snow. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, like even like my my first snow in May was uh, I remember a morning morning it was snowing and I was like so excited and I ran outside in my PJs and I was like okay nope <laughs> this is cold <laughs> it wasn't the same thing as the movie where everybody's like laughing and jumping around it was cold <laughs> so <laughs> I don't like the cold <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, but just the people were really different. Of course, um, I was the only black girl in school, so I was pe- I was picked a lot. Like um, there was a lot of bullying happening because I was the only black uh, kid there. 
But I felt like yeah. when I moved there in like in Shariat, actually, I I loved the fact that I was close to the beach. Mm-hmm. Of course, I do have a love uh, of the ocean. Um, it's always been in me. So I was feeling okay that sometimes I was just walking and sitting there at the beach and just smelling the air. And it's almost like a little flashback from back home if I, I was closing my eyes. Mm. So I, I just love that feeling. I still love it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, New Brunswick was totally different. And I was wondering like why New Brunswick? Like, you know, they have like Montreal, Toronto. I was like learning about Vancouver. And I was like, oh, Vancouver sounds really nice. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. Um, but yeah, it, it was a total culture shock. People were different, a little bit more distant. Mm. Um, so my relationship with my mom did not get better at all. It was actually worse as my mom did marry somebody and the relationship was really toxic, um, very, very toxic. And as a young kid, I was uh, already seeing it, but there's nothing that I could have done to make my mom change her mind into staying with that person. Physical violence, verbal uh, violence. It, It was really bad. It wasn't pretty to see. And, and I started to act up a little bit when I, People were bullying me. I was trying to act tough because I was bullied at, at school and then going home and mm-hmm. just being abused. So it was like mm-hmm. tough anywhere that I was going. Um, I wasn't, I never felt safe or I never felt love. So then I became like mm-hmm. suicidal. Um, mm-hmm. I remember at 13 years old going to school totally drunk. <laughs> Um, and just bragging about it. Honestly, I was like, "Oh, I'm drunk," and um, uh, <laughs> and I remember like uh, one of the the kids were like, "Why are you drunk?" I was like, "Oh, look at here in my backpack. I have beer. I have like rum." And yeah, I was. I have like my backpack was full of like booze in there. Um, and the thing is. Like, I got in trouble for that, of course. But uh, nobody took the time to ask me what was going on and why that happened. Right. And uh, I didn't tell them that before going to school, before I decided to get drunk at 13 years old and go to school, that my mom's husband literally busted my lip and I was bleeding um, for something so silly. And... Mm. um, I felt really broken and still like even till this day, every time I talk about it, like I become so emotional um, because the pain is still there. Of course. And I mean, it must've been just devastating to not have anywhere safe. I mean, lots of people might experience problems at school or have problems at home, but you would hope that they have the other place to go as a safe haven, but you had neither, which must have just, I mean, I can't even kind of fathom how you coped and and again, how you kind of came out of all of this, such a strong person. And I know now as an activist and as, as an advocate, what do you think the province could do better to A, help children who are being bullied in schools, what could the province have done more to help? Because, again, as you also say, like being the only person of colour in your school, you should have had a network or something to protect you from what happened. But none of it was there, clearly. 
Yeah, and it was miserable. Oh my god, it was so hard. I remember being like outside with all the kids, and they were like all playing. And suddenly, you had like a little group of kids, like four or five, coming to me and bullying me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I will, on purpose, walk by the teacher that was outside, just just hoping that that teacher would see me mm-hmm. and and realize what was going on, because I was literally trying to run away from those kids, and nothing mm-hmm. was ever done. I remember that at lunchtime, having kids bully me and me eating by myself, eating in the bathroom by myself um, because I was bullied and nobody coming to help me. And the thing is, like, you can see it. And and sometimes you have to just ask the kid. And if they don't talk to you right away, it's okay. They might have a hard time trusting people. And it takes time Mm -hmm. for any kid to know that they can trust you right and you have to have the, the yeah. patience but yeah like for me it was like um it was hard because when social development got involved um my first two social workers i remember begging them like begging them not to bring me back when they finally started like taking me away from that house and they will always have the same answer we tried to keep family together. Mm-hmm. And um, I was crying. I was telling them, it's going to get worse if I go. Don't bring me back. And yeah. every time it got worse. So I think listening to the kid is like the solution for this. Because I feel, yes, I was strong. And yes, I attempted suicide a few times. Yes, I'm still here, thank God. Thank but there's God. other kids that does the first time is their their last time that you're trying, right? So it's really to listen to the kid and take the time um, to be there and be a voice. They don't have a voice right now, so be a voice for them. And is that what you do and how do you find the time to do this? I mean, I know I hear from so many people, how many people that you've helped. How do you find the time and and how can people that are listening to this engage more and what can people do more? Because as you say, it's the listening and the act that is what will actually make a difference. Yeah, I think for people listening right now, again, like I said, it's be there for them and be a support. The only person that was there and that kept me here is uh, my social worker Sophia Bell my last social worker I should say she was always there for me she was listening if I needed somebody to listen to me she believed in me and every time she would tell me Diani you're gonna do great things one day so don't give up I know you're listening to me even if I wasn't talking to her and acting like I didn't care I was listening and she would always tell me to be strong Mm -hmm. that I'm gonna do great things and um, I think that really stuck in my heart. It was like mm. <laughs> acting like I didn't care, but caring a lot. She would tell me that she did love me. Mm. And uh, it was hard for me to hear that from somebody that wasn't my mother. Right. And I was wondering all the time, like, why do you care? Why do you love me? Like, you're not my mom. <laughs> mm. My mom gave me away. So why do you care for me? And I hear that a lot as a youth worker. When I tell a kid, I do care about you and I do care for your safety. And they they say the same thing that I was saying. Why do you care? Right. Right. So um, sometimes they just need one person yeah. to make it. 
So be that person for that kid. Yeah, and I think for any of us that have been through anything traumatic in our lives, it often does come down to that one person. I mean, for me as a, you know, obviously have been lucky enough to not go through anything as close to what you've been through but just from being bullied as a teenager and not seeing the future in life and not seeing that I could ever do anything it was one teacher it was one teacher that that wanted to listen and make that difference and as you rightly say I mean people often think that they can't make a difference but they can and I mean I'm, I'm really really fascinated by how you kind of transitioned and were able to kind of go from being um you know, I mean, you clearly have always been an incredibly strong person to you would have to be to, to get through all of the all of the things that you've been through, but you probably didn't feel strong when you were going through them. When did the shift happen when you kind of were able to come out of it and realize that you were able to turn all of these, uh, you know, experiences into a way to help others and a way to engage with others? Mm. So when I was in foster care, I met this young guy. And uh, we saw the relationship. It went really fast. So at the beginning, it was like um, verbal abuse, being unfaithful, um, blaming me for a situation that I didn't do anything and escalating when I moved on my own when I was 16, 17 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, He moved in with me without permission from a social worker. I was supposed to be by myself. And I was so scared to tell Sophie about him being in my apartment because I was scared of him. Mm. So he started physically abusing me. Mm. And then he went to sexually abusing me. And the excuse was always, well, you're my girlfriend. So and every time that I try to have this will to speak up, mm. he will just break it again and just tell me like you and what army is gonna stop me. You have no family. Your mom gave you away. Your friends were my friends first. You have nobody. And it was true. He was right. I had nobody. I was on my own. And he was always abusing me and and knowing that I was going to stay because I didn't have anybody. And after five years into this bad relationship that was just escalating so bad that I couldn't do it anymore, I was becoming again suicidal. And when I found my strength and I just, I have no idea where it came from, but I just decided to get out of that bad relationship. And when I had my first son, um, Elijah, Again, I was becoming more depressed because I didn't talk to anybody about it. I kept everything inside. Like I grew up, my mom telling me that um, you don't talk about your problems outside of home. So it was hard for me to speak up. It was hard for me to go for help. I didn't even know where to go from the beginning. So when I had Elijah, I was depressed. Um, I was by myself. And I remember just looking at him when I was breastfeeding and just crying and telling myself, like, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. And he just looked at me and smiled just randomly. <laughs> and I said, I, I can't do it. No, I, I can't kill myself. Like, he needs me. Like, God gave me this little gift for me to take yeah. care. And I'm never going to put him into that situation of not having a mother. 
Um, so after the years going by, I felt like, okay, I was getting spirit. I get, I was getting more. Um, Oh my God, I'm getting upset. Sorry. <laughs> no, please, and I, I completely understand. And thank you for sharing honestly, because this will you know, make a difference to so many people listening. But also, I mean, especially also for your, you know, I love the fact that essentially it was motherhood that saved you. And to, you know, what it sounds like motherhood was the moment that this shift happened in you, where uh, you were able to to turn all of the the terrible things from the past into a bright future for yourself. A hundred percent. And I guess that like for me was like getting more spiritual and Mm -hmm. and realizing that the universe is doing all this for a reason. You know, like I I remember as a kid just um, asking to be this amazing woman. I remember just (laughs) just wishing to be this amazing woman and saying that one day, one day I'll be that woman and just hoping that I will go by um that day and be able to grow into somebody that's going to help others but um when i had elijah it was like i need to do something i didn't go through all of this for nothing Mm -hmm. you know like i said i'm strong enough to go through it Mm -hmm. but maybe there's a teenager somewhere maybe there's a youth somewhere somewhere that needs me to share my story and to be strong for them yeah you know, like if sure. I can impact one person, just one, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that get, they're going to make the difference, you know. Um, but yeah, um, definitely motherhood was the, the part where um, I realized that it's okay, Diony. Like this, this is love, you know. Um, yeah. I didn't know what love was before until I had my first son. And every little smile, mm-hmm. every little giggles, every little steps every little mess that was loving it. and <laughs> I was like okay like you know like it was like a moment of this is why everything happened because I can really cherish all those little moments and now I can help somebody else absolutely and it's I mean it sounds like you know in addition to, to cherishing every moment of motherhood you also you know you make use of every second of every day and I mean and you're still incredibly young considering how much you've done and how much you've achieved and how many you know lives you've changed I mean through everything from speaking to Queens of Heart and I understand that now you are taking that a step farther uh, and you are actually running for council which again I mean hats off to you Uh, I salute you for uh, wanting to do more can you tell me a bit about the decision uh, to run for council and and what you have in store yeah um it's kind of <laughs> interesting because um everybody that i told them that i was running for council were like i'm not surprised but i was su- <laughs> yeah but i was surprised of myself like i was everybody was like oh my god i'm doing something crazy remember when i told you <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm doing something crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm running for counseling. Everybody's like, yeah, that's not crazy. I see you do that. I'm like, okay, there's something to be said right there, right? If everybody sees it, absolutely, then it was meant to be. <laughs> totally. Um, it's, uh, but yeah. We- when you told me, I, I wasn't surprised, and I, but I was also hugely grateful because at the end of the day, the world needs 
more people like you in positions like that. So uh, when you told me, I just took it as like, you know, music to my ears, which is I know how most people took it. <laughs> oh, like it, it was interesting because I said I had no interest right. ever before <laughs> into politics. Honest, like I was like looking at politics and just having this picture of what it is already right. i was like oh my god it's just a bunch of people arguing to know who's gonna be the boss and nobody <laughs> is actually caring about the people and <laughs> yeah. so that's how i was i was in politics before there was no love for politics coming from me <laughs> before and uh <laughs> but now it's like it's totally shifted it shifted mm-hmm. now i see it as a a way of helping others and uh, we see more women yeah. in politics now and i feel like it's so important like i say it's um we do see things differently we hmm. we we're more like mothers right it's like um we want yeah. to help and not necessarily fix but to empower and to grow things that's yeah. what we do we love to grow things that's true. um so i feel like now seeing all those incredible women in politics and hearing and listening and just watching them go. I'm so inspired. And I feel like it wasn't inside of me for a long time. It's just, I needed to go through all the steps before getting where I am right now. Well, I mean, it's hugely commendable and you're absolutely right. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, people have been saying for years, you know, every time terrible things happen, people, myself included, would always say this wouldn't happen if women were running the world. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's it's just kind of funny that, I mean, all of the stereotypes and the misogynistic and patriarchal kind of insults that were leveled against women as to why they didn't have more positions of power over the decades and indeed centuries are actually the reverse. Like there was the old argument that was always used. Then this was used back in the day when women weren't even allowed to vote. People would say well, women are too emotional. And the yeah. reality is, I mean, that is not women are far more you know, clear headed, level headed. You know, if you want to talk about emotional, I show you a picture of Donald Trump, uh, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani. You know, uh, you know and it's, it's, it's interesting how um, this is definitely becoming something which people are, are more aware of. And I mean, for you, what are the things that, that, you know, you've already seen how well received this decision is that you've made by people. What are the things that you hope to do? And what are the things that you hope to change? Because I know for you, you know, I know you love this province. I know you you love the, the people in it, but you have experienced firsthand problems that people go through coming here. So what do you think uh, you can do and what can be improved here? For Moncton, like like you said, like I do have um, a love for Moncton. It's mm. uh, it's incredible. I love our province a lot. I wouldn't see myself moving anymore uh, from yeah. here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like we have a lot to do when it mm. comes to racism. Mm. When it comes to bullying at school, like we were talking earlier, there's a lot that we need to change. But I feel like what I want to bring to Moncton, and I think that they will probably appreciate it is the way that I, I want to bring the community together. It's already there, mm. but we need to do more. We need to yeah. really realize like who's your neighbor and help each other. Because when we say we're all in this together, but if you look at the people that we've been helping with Queens of Heart, 
it doesn't look like we're all in this together. Yeah. Right? So you I think right. that, yeah. So um, other people messaging, uh, crying or asking for help because they can't send their kids to school because they don't have food hmm. to send their kids to school. This is not all in this together. We're not yeah. all, like, you know, it's not the same um, yeah. everywhere. So I think we need to be more equal. That's for sure. And I feel like, especially for single parents, we need to have more things. Like as a single mother myself, uh, we need, I see that we need more resources, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of different things that I, uh, uh, for me, um, growing up in Dominican, where we were all about the community and the good memories for the kids. And I, and I feel like I want to bring this to, to Moncton. Um, activities for kids to open up their mind uh, in different cultures you know we are the teachers to them right no kids is born let's say racist no um every kid love everybody you know so i feel like if kids see the diversity that we have and that we're all the same even if we come from different culture even even if we speaking a different language we're all the same you know and that's one of the things that i do teach to my kids and i hope that we can bring this to mountain how was it that you were able to do all the things you did but seemingly stay so positive because that's what always amazes me is that you have you some some of us you know when we get angry about things it comes out in anger whereas for you it seems to what comes out is is caringness and and wanting to bring about change how do you keep anger in check when clearly you, you you must feel angry about things but but you always seem to manage to channel it into something positive uh, how do you deal with that psychologically i think it's just <laughs> the way that i am yeah. uh, i do try to see the positive out of every situations um my friend do hate me when i'm like everything happens for a reason <laughs> they're like yes Johnny, here we go <laughs> But it's true. Even when it's uh, happening to me, it is. Mm -hmm. Everything is happening for a reason. But I think now it's um, giving to others. And the reason why I keep being so positive is because every family that we helped, Mm -hmm. I see the smile on their face. And it's just like, it's the most amazing thing you can do is to share what you have with others. Right? just to see the smile on the kid's face when you drop a box with food and then you have a little treat there for them, you know, and it's so beautiful and so nice to see. I remember um, last year um, there was this mother who messaged me and she was stuck. She got hurt and she couldn't move much out of bed. So her two sons were the ones coming out to help me with the groceries and they were so grateful. They were so grateful that I I cried. Um, Mm. The youngest was like, oh, my God, all of that. And I was like, yes. And you have a little surprise in there for you. And every time they were taking a bag or a box, Mm. they were just saying thank you the whole time. They were just like, thank you. Thank you so much. And I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) The kid was like, oh, hopefully one day we can do the same. And I said, of course, you can do anything you want. And you just have this big smile on his face and just, that was it. But at that moment, I just 
sat in my car and I cried mm. because people don't see that part, right? Uh, sure. If we go on our Facebook page, um, on the group, you see all the people who have donated, um, the time that we do deliveries, how many deliveries we've done. Mm. They don't see the love and gratefulness that they have, right? Yeah. So that keeps me really positive that I'm impacting somebody's life who one day is going to impact somebody else's life. And I always said, you know, uh, I had this person actually um, always questioning why this person got fired or why this happened or why do they need food and um, don't they have social assistance or they have enough money? There was always questioning, questioning, questions coming in when um, any family needed help. They never experienced yeah. hunger, right? They never experienced not sending their kids to school because they don't have food in the fridge for them. Right? right, they always have that money. They have a nice car. They have a nice house. They travel a lot, so they never, even when there were kids, their parents never struggled. Right, and again, that's a privilege yeah. to have that, and not everybody have it. But when it comes to mm -hmm. giving, like I said, giving is not a choice. Right, it's yeah. a it's a, our duty to do that as human beings. It's not a choice, and I tell that to my kids. Giving is not a choice. It's a duty of Absolutely. being a human being. We're here. We're supposed to be helping one another, no matter what. And it was really interesting to see that people sometimes don't have that empathy to see that somebody else might be struggling no matter what. You know, even if you're on social assistance, even if you work, you never know. Tomorrow I can lose my job, right? Yeah. Am I going to struggle? Yes. Can I be stuck and not have much food for my kids? Yes, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? So that's the thing that yeah, I always said. So like when I lost everything, I didn't have anything. And I was good before, but then I had nothing. Hmm. And I didn't right. know that was going to happen. So I feel like I'm always so positive and trying to see the good side of everything because I know that I'm good today and I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And by helping people, it brings me, it brings me so much joy. And at the same time, mm -hmm. you never know if that kid one day will be the one helping me, right? Maybe yeah. I'm going to inspire one kid so who's going to make a difference in this world and I'm going to need their help. Yeah. Well, you've definitely inspired more than one kid. I mean, you've inspired hundreds, which is remarkable. Given how, how old are you now, Diana, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 27. 27. I mean, again, you've achieved so much in that time and, and been through so much. And uh, one of the times I saw you speak, you said something so beautiful about how we can all make a difference, no matter how painful our journey was, just to always believe in yourself and that only in darkness can we see light and and that's one of those many things that you've said that really stuck with me and I commend you for the fact that you're inspiring everyone from ch children who are the leaders of tomorrow to the leaders of now and I, I couldn't be happier that you too are uh, in addition to being a kind of a, a leader in the community are now going to become a, a leader in, in council too and um the, the world needs more people like you, quite frankly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
Um, can I ask how people who are listening who are, are feeling inspired and want to help, how can they support you with your campaign? How can they get behind Queens of Heart? And, and what can people do to engage with I mean, what you're doing is a movement. Like, there's no, there's no two ways about it. This, this is a, a movement, and and it's making a difference. And what can people do to get behind this this movement? Well, for my campaign, mm. <laughs> um, I we're definitely going to have a GoFundMe um, mm-hmm. that's going to help um, pay for everything else um, that's going to be needed for for me running for council, like that pamphlets. Um, the posters, everything. Uh, so the GoFundMe yeah. is going to be there uh, for that. So if they want to support me with the campaign, they can donate there or they can be a sponsor for sure. Um, that would be nice. Um, for Great. Queens of Heart, and I feel like Queens of Heart is um, my number one, I would say. Mm. It's like, like having my third baby, you know? Um, yeah. So for Queens of Heart, I totally... Um, encourage people to go to our group um even if it's like twenty dollars or small box of like cereal um you know peanut butter it doesn't matter sometimes we think that um it's not enough but it's just enough for somebody right it's just anything anything helps um so they can donate or they can be a volunteer to help us out and spread the love and the care here in the greater moncton um but yeah i feel like um if you're listening right now and you want to help you can right there's always a way that you can help and it, it feels so it feels so good it feels amazing um, I had a few people um, Christmas time. We had like this big like food and toy drive, um, and it was like amazing. I loved it. I obviously cried. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, I did. That's um, good. It's good. Passion. Pa- there's nothing wrong with yeah, passion. Passion had to like come out somewhere, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I had to cry. Um, well, you're you're emotionally team. invested in, in it, so it's inevitable. And it's yes, like it's just when I'm that. when I'm so passionate in love with something, it's just mm-hmm. I got emotional because everybody was amazing in the community. All the toys all the food for the families. We helped over a hundred kids. And that was like amazing. I had an amazing time. I was totally tired, but I had an amazing time. (laughs) And um, my kids were there helping me. And I had other like volunteers um, coming over and just like driving all over Greater Mountain and dropping all the, uh, the toys and the food and all the messages that we had uh, for feedback was amazing. They said, Diani, this is like <laughs> the best feeling ever. I want to do this again, <laughs> right? There was like um, companies that were like, oh my God, Diani, this was amazing. Uh, definitely put us on your list for next year. We want to be with you guys. Mm. We want to help again. So it was like this amazing thing of the community coming together and people getting that experience that, I have every single day when I do a drop off of seeing the smile in the mm-hmm. family's face and see the kids all excited. Um, it's it's amazing. So yeah, that's if you incredible. want to help, I mean, if you want to support, that's a great way to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's, it's like you say, I mean, lots of people, you know, under, rightly, you know, support different charities around the world. And of course, that, you know, everyone should absolutely do that and continue to do that. But there is no better feeling than the very direct thing of seeing the people that you're helping locally. And as you say, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, um, it's grassroots and it's real and it's organic and as you say you know a, a box of cereal might not be a big deal to one person and it might be all they have to spare but to someone else that has nothing at all in the cupboard that box of cereal is quite literally life-saving yes for sure like uh, we have this um this mother of six daughters um that we've been helping and she's incredible she went from social assistance to trying really hard to be back in helping the society and having a job and contributing um, mm. to uh, our economy, you know? And she said it was like the hardest thing to do. Um, is doesn't make it easy when you have kids to get out of social assistance. And I think that's something that needs to change for sure, um, mm. especially for people who wants to be... Um, a great example for their, their kids um, and to be there for the community at the same time. But um, I remember the first time that I uh, dropped a box to her, she messaged me and she said, um, Diani, um, she was crying. She said, I'm crying. Um, this is incredible. You guys are amazing. Uh, thank you so much. This is the first time in years and years that we got um, was a pork roast just a roast mm-hmm. you know it wasn't like a huge roast mm-hmm. it was just a simple nice roast that's it and she yeah. was so emotional because she got that and i was there sitting mm-hmm. there and just questioning what's wrong we would like what's wrong here there's something wrong i have a pot roast in my freezer that i forgot that i had it there right <laughs> and i didn't see it yeah. as something amazing i didn't see it as something so special until she told me that so sometimes we take for granted things and i think we need to appreciate more what we have and we have to share what we have with others so we can appreciate who we are and what we're doing right in this life absolutely such wise words and i can't thank you enough diani for not just sharing your time with us this morning and and taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me, but also for everything you do for this community and indeed the world, because you're right, every single person that you touch has the potential to make a difference. And all of the children in the world that look up to you right now are the leaders of tomorrow. And you really are making a difference and you will continue to do so. And I can't thank you enough for your friendship. Thank you. Thank you. We will speak again soon and see each other soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. starter.
Thank you for listening to Mullinger Meets Canadians. If you like greatness, creativity, being inspired, laughing, or just love Canada as much as I do, then this is the podcast for you. So please do subscribe and review the show now. To learn more about Diani and her incredible journey, visit her website, dianiblanco.com, or find her on Facebook under Diani Blanco. Further details can be found on the Edit website, maritimeedit.com, and I will see you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.